And so as we approach um, this Advent, this second week of Advent, as we approach peace, um, before we get uh, close to the subject or the idea of peace, um, what I want to do is I want to talk about reality first. And what is reality? And because this is an important question, uh, no matter how young, how old you are, is because reality touches all of us. It affects all of us. And so the definition of reality is, is this. There's going to be two slides that come up here. Um, the first says the state or quality of being real. All right? Resemblance to what is real, a real thing or fact, real things, facts or events taken as a whole or a state of affairs. And then dealing with... <coughs> excuse me. Philosophy, something that exists independently of ideas concerning it. Something that exists independently of all other things from which all other things derive. Existence that is absolute, self-sufficient, or objective, not subject to human decisions or conventions. So this is the definition of reality. And so as we talk about reality, um, we can gather from the definitions there that reality is something that is true, something that I dare say is objectively true. And when we talk about objectivity, we talk about objective in this sense, what it means is this, and I want you guys to get this and let this sink into you, that uh, Objectively means in a way that is not influenced by personal feelings or opinions, in a way that is not dependent on the mind for existence. All right? Objective reality is true whether we like it or not. It is real. An example that I read one time is you understand what objective reality is, is when you go uh, and you jump off of a building, you will come to meet the sidewalk. That is objectively real. Alright? Uh, and when you run up against, another example said, when you run up against the creator of all things, you will get splinters. You're running against objective reality. Now, the other part of that must be in this, that there are such things as subjective realities. How many of you here have experienced subjective reality? Maybe you're afraid to answer, maybe you're afraid because you're like, I, I don't know what I'm going to read to right now. <laughs> and so let me give you an example um, is this. They're real, I want to say that, but they're not objective. Why? Because subjective means that it is based or influenced by our feelings, our tastes, our opinions. They are dependent on the mind or another or an individual's perception. So here's what we have. Objective reality. I'll give you an example for me. Uh, I make a purchase. I create a reality that says Jen's not going to be mad at this. <laughs> yeah. It was only $400. Right? And we agreed that, you know, we had extra money this month and and it was something that I wanted because I needed that smoker. 
right? This isn't a real life example, by the way. I'm much wiser than that. And, and so, only because I've learned things like this. Okay, and so, I create this reality where I believe that Jen is going to be okay with this. And then I walk in with my subjective reality that's based on my feelings of how I feel about this, and I'm met with another subjective reality that says, this is not okay. We have talked about this. Then there's this, this clash. Okay, so subjective realities are true. We deal with it every day that we deal with people. We deal with subjective realities. Right? And I want to assure everybody, this is not some ooky boogie spooky thing that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about alternative realities and like bringing Stephen Hawkins in and all of the, uh, you know, uh, space-time travel. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about the subjective realities of our minds. And then I want to encourage everybody with this is, is where God meets us most of the time is in our minds. We create subjective realities through ideas. I had the idea that Jen wasn't going to be mad at me. Silly idea. Silly reality. All right? When I knew the objective truth was that we had already talked about this, agreed not to spend over X amount of dollars, agreed that we didn't have the money or the money in the budget to do that. I knew that reality. That was based not on my feelings. That was just real. There wasn't $400 to take out of the budget and apply here. I have to look at it, all right, and say, oh, I can create reality. Try to create reality with your bank and see how it works. <laughs> but you did it, all right? And so that's reality. So what am I saying? Where are we going? I promise that we're going somewhere here. Is we have all created subjective reality at some point in our lives. We've done this whether we buy something stupid, whether a teenager is late, that they create the subjective reality that you didn't have the objective talk with them, that you need to be here by 9.30. They show up at 10.30 and they're like, what? I didn't think it was a... Yeah. Right? I think it was a big deal. And so what is all this reality talk, subjective and objective reality, what does that have to do with peace? Might be the question that maybe is being here. What does that have to do with peace? And I want to propose to you today that it has literally everything to do with peace. Everything to do with peace. And as we open the scripture this morning, we look at a passage uh, that is out of Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet. And here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. If you've been in church for any amount of time around Christmas, you've heard this. All right? If you haven't, welcome. All right? It says this. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. 
You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice. From the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. That's good stuff. And so when we think about this, I think what we do sometimes, I can be wrong. Yes. New. I knew when my elected official comes in that's charged by the power of the Holy Spirit and sent by Jesus himself, that that government is finally going to come around. I want us to go back to verse 7. Verse 7 emphasizes something in one word that we can't deny is true. And the one word is his. His government. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of the ancestor David for all eternity. I believe this. Jesus is inviting us into reality. And we are all invited into reality. That's takeaway number one. And the reality that he is inviting us into is his government, the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God is what we're invited into. That is the objective reality from which all life stems. Life within the kingdom of God is actual reality. And Jesus invites us in to, to actually, he's going to rule and reign, and, and we get to rule and reign with him. We're not Jesus, okay? But what we get to do is we get to be part of the kingdom. We get to live the kingdom life here on earth. We get to live an objective truth that whether our lives are con continually bombarded with things that we don't want them to be bombarded with, that we are also supported by the everlasting peace of Christ. The government rests on his shoulders. His government and its peace will never end. How many of you think that world peace is achievable? I mean, just think about it. Anybody? I doubt it a little bit, to be honest with you. Because right? there's these things called humans that are involved. And we've seen it play out through history and continue to play out, right? And uh, 
And we've seen the governments fall, and we've seen governments rise over historic periods of time. We've seen some of the governments start well, and some of them end badly. Some of them continue on. But none of them are perfect, are they? It doesn't matter. And we could, we could pick and choose, and we could go around and we could say, oh, yeah, this government's really bad because of this thing. Say, this one's, oh, really good. Look at all the good that they've done. And what we can really come to the end of the day without cutting the feet off of, from anybody is saying, well, yeah, but they're just not objectively good through and through. Right? We could say that about any governmental system in the world. But what we could say is that I, and what I believe is that, yes, I believe that peace on earth is going to happen. Because as the restoration project of the Lord, the new heaven and the new earth, oh, yes. where we find actual peace, is that that's when we'll see world peace. When Jesus is ruling right, the light of the world comes and rules and reigns. From the Garden City is when we get to see world peace. And what we do is, we don't live out in some, that's going to happen out here. I get to participate in the, object, the objective reality of the kingdom of God right now. God has invited us to live in reality. Matthew 6, 33 says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Amen. Now, what's that right in the middle? Does anybody know what that's right in the middle of? The Sermon on the Mount. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. What that's saying, I want to plug this in there. Seek objective reality, the truth. Above all else. Seek Jesus, who is the truth, above all else. Live within his kingdom and live righteously, because when you're living in the kingdom of God and you're living through the reality that is Jesus, you live righteously, not perfectly, but with our hearts turned towards Jesus. <laughs> and give, and he will give you everything you need. Stress. Right there. Need. Are there things you want? Yes. Are there things you want right now that you don't need? Yes. Anybody? Uh -huh. Okay. Sarah, get out your phone. I'll see your Amazon list right now. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> She's like, oh, thank you. Okay. Which one of 30? Um, I have them all labeled and, okay. If you're like me. Right, I have all of mine. They're in alpha order. And so he'll give you everything that you need. Here's the second takeaway. He's invited us right into the kingdom of reality, or the reality of the kingdom. And the second takeaway is this. We have rejected reality. Now we covered this last week, but I want to stress it again. Is we, we see this in Genesis 3 and we're like, oh my gosh, Adam and Eve are so stupid. Like, they, they had everything that they needed, right? Yeah. 
They just have to follow the road. How dumb can they be? <laughs> God as dumb as me. Right? Yeah, but they, it was different for them. Right? Because they lived in this place that was perfect and and they listened to an idea that was presented to them. And, and this idea was, you know, God just really doesn't want you to know everything because he knows then that you will be like him. Oh, I like that. So then they start trying to run the show. They reject what is ultimately amazing and good for something else that is a facade. See, I wonder if you and I have rejected reality at some point in our lives, too. Have we rejected life in the kingdom of God and to live righteously for something that is fake? Have we tried to be God in and of ourselves, trying to control our own lives, trying to do things on our own that would be pleasing to us but not pleasing to God? And the idea that we might have in our minds is, well, it's not that bad. Real personal question. How many of your, it's not that bad in your lives have turned into something that is trapping you? Now, how many of you notice that something, if you're being real, don't, don't raise your hand. Okay, but I want you to think about this. It progressively over time has started to take life away from you. So that you're living in an unreality that is maybe even opposite of the kingdom of God. We have rejected reality, and most of the time we reject reality because we have a better way. We think we have a better way. Takeaway number three is this. Peace is found in the king. And I want to tell you guys, after when we go into 23, which is coming up right around 2023, um, which is coming up right after 2022, right, which is coming up in What's that? Three and a half weeks. Okay. Don't get started about that. All right. Three and a half weeks, that's true. Okay. Um, is this. We're going to dig into the king and his kingdom. And how do we live into the reality of that? But what I want to do is plant a seed here this morning about peace that's found in the king. And I heard this thought that is very provoking to me, and hopefully provoking to you as well. Oftentimes in Western American churches, what we come to Jesus for is salvation. Is that a good thing? It's a good thing, right? Anybody love the grace and mercy of Jesus and the salvation that's found in Jesus? Okay? Um, if you have any understanding of who Jesus is, he did come to save us. He did come to set us free. But here is the issue that we have and the perspective change that needs to happen in our own lives. We come to Jesus for salvation, grace and mercy, 
And because we say, yes, we'll receive your salvation, then I can live however I want to. And that's kind of the change that we say. We ask people, come, come and, and give, give your gift, you know, be saved by Jesus. Good thing. But here's the change that I would love for us to endeavor in, and which we're going to endeavor in more in 2023, is this. Why isn't it the perspective of each of us that we say we come to a king and his kingdom and we submit our lives entirely and under that umbrella of kingship comes salvation, mercy, grace, kindness, vision for the future, vision for now. All of that stuff is um, umbrella underneath the kingship of God. And now here's the difference. When God saves me and I just come to Jesus for salvation, I get to still have my own opinion. When I submit my life to the king, I learn from him what is objectively true, and then I live that out. I live out righteously what the king says. And what we've done here in Western culture is we've removed truth. We removed objective truth, and even from, and you can see this happen, even from uh, in, in scholastics, the upper echelons of scholastics. What is truth? What does that even mean? Like Jesus is real? So what do we do? We take theology, we take God, we take everything out of, of systems. So that God and theology and Jesus, they're all outside of knowledge. Because this knowledge of God and Jesus is eh, subjective. And so where we find ourselves is an interesting point in our lives is this, that if, if peace is found in Jesus and if Jesus is objectively true, are we actually submitting our lives to the objectivity of the kingdom of God? Are we creating a subjective reality where I'm saved by Jesus, but I can do whatever I want to, and have whatever opinion I want, and live my life however I want, spend my money however I want, with no accountability to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? Well, Andy, that's a little harsh for an Advent. <laughs> a sermon, I think. What happened to good tidings? Great joy. I want to propose this to you. These are the best tidings of great joy that you could ever experience. To walk in the objective reality of the kingdom of God, to live righteously, that he may give you peace and everything that you need is the most freeing thing that you will ever have. When we start to create our own realities, when we take this and we say, well, it says this, but I don't think it's that way because it's not popular in culture. We're trying to create our own subjective reality. See, when I go up to a king, guess what I don't have? Well, I think your country sucks, and I think that we need to do it this way. I'm sorry, what? What did you just say? I, I mean, I love you, but what did you just say? 
How many of you walk to a king and say that? I mean, who knows these days, maybe. But the king of kings, the king of the, who made everything, the, the king who from which everything was created. We walk up and we say, well, I don't like the way that you designed it. So I'm going to do it my way. Or, your way hurts people. Your ways hurt people and it makes people feel bad. That's when objective reality runs into subjective reality. And I want to tell you something. The heart of Jesus is not to hurt anybody but to heal them completely. How many of you guys ran into things when you first ran into Jesus that, man, like, I feel like bad for doing that. Anybody with me? And you're starting to feel bad, and you're like, well, I don't like the way this makes me feel. Oh, I'm running into objective truth. I'm running into the reality of the kingdom of God. And if, if my reality isn't lining up with the ultimate reality, then I probably need to shift what I think. <laughs> and not have God fit into my box. And we've all gone through that. We've all struggled. If you've struggled with that, that's amazing. <clears throat> and, you, and you should continue to ask God, God, form my heart, shape my mind, that I can know you. To love people. Do something ultimately weird in all, our culture today. Love people who you disagree with. Yes. Who are butting up against the objective truth. Love them still. And loving them does not mean that you agree with everything that they do. You want to see peace? Eternal peace? Peace that is that passes all understanding, start living in the kingdom of God. And that peace will be there. So the kingship of the Lord. When we look at Jesus as king, we can say, no, you actually want everything. Every part of me. Every thought. Every action comes from your life. Stand with me. There's two people I want to address here in the room. Two. Today you're saying, yeah, I would, I would want to do that. I just want you to raise your hand. 
And the second person I want to address is this person that said, I have done this, but boy, my, my life right now is, is off the rails. And it doesn't have to be crazy train. Okay? I'm not saying you're off the chain. You might be. What a better place to be off the chain than a place where people can pray with you. Now you're saying, you know, I really want to follow Jesus. Like, I've, I've, I've said, Lord, you're the Lord of my life, but, yeah. And I really, want, I really do want to live that out. And if that's you today, I would love for you to raise your hand. pray that we would do that. That we would serve you well. God, help us to know you. Submit our lives to you and all the things God, so that we can live in the objective reality of the truth of the kingdom of God. Some teenagers. Are you guys okay with me? 
Can I try a few things? Is that okay? Okay. Cool. Just come up here. You don't have to come like up here, up here. Don't worry, the internet won't see you. Just move right up here if you would. to embarrass you or call you out. I hope you know that. I hope you know as the pastor of this church, I love you guys to death. Alright? And I want you uh, to hear me look at me when I'm telling you this. Alright? Is that God's got a calling on each one of your lives. And that call is to follow Him and the things that He is going to pour out in your lives. And so you guys, I would say, Way more than I think all of us ever experienced. I think I could say that. Pretty objectively true. Um, is you face challenges that we've never faced. Yeah. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And so, and here, the deal is this. Like, God's desire is to use you guys. Right? And you might be thinking, well, what the heck does that look like? I'm in a school of 2,600, maybe I'm homeschooled, or I don't even understand what that means exactly. Right? And that's okay. But here's what I would ask. Would you, would you ask God, and I'm not asking you to do it now, would you ask God to use you? Maybe you go home and you, you do that. Whatever that might mean. I mean, we have people up here that are rocket scientists. Okay? Or have the ability to be. Um, and we have everything, everything. And so when I look at you guys, I look, man, how much difference could these teenagers' lives really make? All right? And here's what I want to encourage you with, is this, because I think this is what God might say to you. Your influence over one to two people matters to your influence over thousands of people. We get caught up where we need a bunch of followers and we need to influence this mass amount of people. What I would ask of you guys is to influence the people that are directly around you who God's put in contact with you. Now, does that mean to ignore all these other people? No, but understand that God has placed you right now where you are for a specific reason to impact the people around you. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay? And so we're just going to pray for you guys. We're going to do a thing called intercession. What the heck is that? It means when all of us are going to pray for you. And you might look and say, how long is that going to take? <laughs> Here's the cool part. We don't even have to move. All right? But we want to pray with you. Is that okay? All right. Um, on the spot... We don't need to earn a badge from you. We need to submit our lives to you. So God, I pray in this room, even now, would you stir up hunger. A hunger to see people come to know you. A hunger in the way that we interact with 
our families, our friends, and strangers. A hunger in a way that we interact with you. God, would you come and begin to purify hearts and minds that we might be holy even as you are holy, not to look down on people, but to invite people into the kingdom. Begin to release, even in this moment, begin to release your Holy Spirit, God, on each of our lives, that you would empower us to begin to have dreams and visions, to begin to lift our vision higher, God, not to go before you or above and beyond the promise, but to live in the promise that you have given us. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Would you come and let us be the workers? Do is 30 seconds.